Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that the Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. Greetings, and today we want to talk about the stories Jesus told. He, they're called parables, and they're stories that impact our spiritual lives. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, is a record of three memorable stories. They're known as the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Jesus told these fascinating stories to illustrate God's love and concern for those who are lost. Lost as being out of a relationship with God. The context of these stories is that religious leaders were criticizing Jesus for receiving and having fellowship with outcasts or people they considered outcasts. In this case, the outcasts were the dreaded and often crooked tax collector. The Jewish leaders were particularly resentful of these people because they were Jews who were hired by and they accepted jobs from the Roman government, and they were empowered to assess taxes on the Jewish residents in the Roman Empire. That wasn't the end of the story. They developed the reputation of being ruthless, crooked, and thieves, actually. They would overcharge, charge way beyond what Rome demanded, and they, of course, the excess money went into their pockets and they were enriched thereby at the expense of their own people. So I suppose you can see with me why they were considered outcasts and were rejected from the company of respectable Jews. But Jesus received them and entered into cordial and friendly relationship with them. This provoked the anger and the disdain of the Jewish people, but particularly of the leaders and of the Pharisees in particular. The Pharisees were righteous, just, exacting people. They were people who tried to live to the letter of the law, and they would have nothing to do with these people who were outcasts. Today I have chosen to examine the story of the lost son. He's nicknamed the prodigal. So it's the story of the prodigal son. The very word prodigal probably got its, its reputation from this very story. It's not a biblical title and wasn't as a word used in the English language until somewhere in the 15th century. The word prodigal was adapted from French and or Latin words which each described waste and excess. So it is, it is that, for that reason we think the prodigal as a waste, we think of prodigals as wasteful, intemperate, profligate. That story is captured in 
verses 11 through 34 of Luke 15. I encourage you to read it on your own. We'll highlight several verses in the story as they impact our outline of seven movements that this story identifies. As you go through each one, it may be that you want to ask yourself, as I ask myself, is that reflected of me? Or could that be me? Could the story be pointing at me? May God help us to see ourselves as we really are and to see God as he really is. I invite you to follow me as we look at each movement in the story of the prodigal son. The movements I have summarized as the desire, the departure, the delusion and disaster, the desperation, the deliberation, the determination and the decision. I hope to get through each of those points as we walk through the story of the prodigal son. Lord, open our eyes to see your truth and open our eyes to see Jesus. Open our eyes to acknowledge our sinfulness and to walk by faith with Jesus. Let your word live to us. Amen. First, we look at the desire. The younger son said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he delighted, divided his property between them. What the young man was saying, I want my share now. The share, the share was legally his. Jewish law arranged for him to have it. The father's estate, part of it. Now we come to think of prodigality as wasteful, intemperate, profligate. My friend, this father divided his listens. And he, the son, took off. This deliberate demand that the son made, I don't think it was the first time he had come to the father. I think he had thought about it. He probably had bothered his father before. And at this point, the dad saw that there was no point delaying, so he reluctantly handed it over to him. And the Bible says he took off and he went into a far country. It just says that that's probably the case with most of us who go wandering away from God. I want my share now. I don't want to wait till God's time is appropriate. The Bible said not long after that, the young son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country, a place we call the far country. And it may be defined as anywhere outside the will of God. Anywhere that our natural, human, worldly tendencies attract us to. And it may not be very far. It may be just down the road, so to speak. The pull of the world can be a blinding force, blinding our eyes to the dangers that lay ahead. For a season it comes with pleasure and obscures the pain. Hebrews 11.25 speaks of the pleasures of sin which are seasonal, the pleasures of sin which are for a season. The spiritual nearsightedness of each one of us lead to the far country. The far country may not be geographically far away. It may not be intellectually far away. It can be a state of mind. It can come in glorious disguise, just like the devil who comes 
as a wolf, but he comes in sheep's clothing. That's how the far country begins to seep in to the very existence of a human being. Where are your desires leading you right now? You may be on the very verge of departing from close fellowship with God because that shiny attraction comes dancing in your mind. Take time out and ask God, the Holy Spirit, to settle your mind, calm your urges. Remember the verse we just quoted from the book of Hebrews says, the pleasures of sin are for a season. The comforts of home are constant and lasting. But all the young son was bent on going, so he goes out and predictably the outcome is delusion. The delusion enters the scene. The delusion and the disaster in verses 13 to 15. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. The loss and pain and wandering boy of a boy or girl, a man or woman, doesn't come with a warning sign. It doesn't come with labels say, this way may be dangerous. When we enter the corridors of this far country, we're blinded to its pain. In the book of Proverbs, we have the warning about the seductive woman who entices with pretty speech and enticing words. This is one way the delusion settles in on a victim. But there are countless deceptive actions that conquer men, conquer women, conquer people like you and people like me. There are no exceptions from the enemy's destructive onslaught. Ask yourself, am I really in the proverbial far country? Or is my desire drawing me there? Someone to whom I'm speaking is having a moment of self-examination right now, and I encourage you to act upon it. The young man in our story, he got to a point where he took the action. In my years of working in the jails and prisons of western New York, I've heard stories. I've seen the shipwreck of sons and daughters who are in the far country. Thank God I saw some of them take action that the son in our story took. And they returned from their far country experience. And they returned to father and home. And the joy and victory was theirs to experience. But my friend in the far country, if you stay there, it gets to a point of desperation. It gets to a point of desperation. It says he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave to him anything. No one gave him. There is no give in the far country. There's no love in the far country. It's cold and dark and unforgiving in the far country. Someone listening to me today understands what I'm talking about. It is harsh. It takes. It demands. It never gives back. How long will you wander away from the warmth of home? I mean home as God wants it to be for you. Jesus died in your place to save you from the stink and from the rot of the pig's pen of your life. Over oh, 17 tells a story of an awakened conscience. It expresses the turning point that each one of us needs to have and to take. In verse 17, he deliberately thought, 
Thank God he did. When he made an assessment of his situation, he could no longer feel comfortable because there was no warmth. He could smell the aroma of good food at home in his mind. The text tells us when he finally came to his senses, he took action. I wish I could come by your side right now and encourage you to come home. God, our Heavenly Father, is coaxing you. He's inviting you. He's waiting for you. Do what the prodigal did. He was not just persuaded that it was the right thing to do. Verse 18 tells of his determination. He says, I will, I will arise and go home. I'll go home to my father. He rehearsed a confession of repentance that he would speak to his father. Verse 20 tells us that he decided. Once he decided, his determination kicked in, and this would see him through. It will see you through today. The result of his determination is that he decided. Are you ready to make a decision? The decision says, I, I, I came to my senses. I can relate to that. It takes me back to a night in January 1947 when I came to my senses and I said with tears in my eyes, Father, I'm coming home. Will you come home today? Will you let Jesus draw you into the fold? I've wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. Make that your prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. Your prayers and financial investment in this ministry helps to keep the good news on the air. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you to write us at Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Again, that's Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Amen.